0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. I'm gonna be in John chapter six today, John chapter six. Uh, I wanna start with a story though. This last few weeks, I was able to go on a vacation with my wife. It was great. We went to the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, about seven hours away, uh, to a place called Pictured Rocks. Uh, Here's a picture of what Pictured Rocks looks like. This is a picture we took. It's beautiful. Uh, It looks just like that. And we spent uh, some time up there. One of the things that I did, I was planning the vacation this time, and so one of the things I did, we, we, Ann and I enjoy doing this every now and again, is uh, stayed for a couple of nights in a bed and breakfast. If you don't know uh, how bed and breakfast work, you get a bed and you get... Right, we're going to be interacting this morning, so for those of you who are sleeping, if you just want to take another sip of coffee, so you get bed and... Wonderful, you're listening. And so uh, the fun thing about bed and breakfast for us, we don't do this very frequently But not only do you get a bed and breakfast, you're staying in this smaller house and you have strangers that you get to know. Now, some of you are like, I'm never staying at a bed and breakfast. (laughs) But we actually enjoy that because it's community spaces like a living room and a kitchen. This place had a porch and it was was super nice. The other thing we like is breakfasts because usually the proprietor or the person that runs the bed and breakfast has a beautiful breakfast. You can actually Google pictures of breakfasts at bed and breakfast. And here's a few examples, right? They're just, does that not look, who of you did not have breakfast this morning, right? It's that looks, or another one, example is like this. So this is not abnormal for bed and breakfasts. And so we look forward to it. And as we were talking to the proprietor the night we checked in, He started to describe that he actually, his previous job, was in hospitality worldwide for the Marriott group. So my expectation for breakfast the next morning, pretty high, right? I am ready. So we go to bed, wake up the next morning, breakfast is between 8 and 10. We get there right at 8 o'clock, walk into the kitchen and see a picture. I didn't take a picture, but it's very similar to this. Hard-boiled eggs. This is how it sort of looked. Hard-boiled eggs. A bag of store-bought bagels. He did make muffins the night before, which was sort of nice. Sort of a miss, right? I wasn't completely satisfied with breakfast. Have you ever had situations in your life where you were expecting something and you just were not satisfied? Anybody? A few of you. I heard of a story uh, this last week where someone got hired for a job at one salary, and they had to get trained, so they moved their family. After training, the salary, when they got their check, was lower. That's not satisfying, right? It's not being satisfied happens a lot in our lives. It's not foreign to anyone. It's actually not foreign to people in scripture either. Uh, even people who were following Jesus the closest enter into circumstances where they're just not satisfied. Here's one example. Uh, One of Jesus' disciples, Judas, one of the 12, he's following Jesus and he ends up in a room with Jesus and a a woman comes in and dumps perfume on Jesus' feet. And Judas is not satisfied. It says this in John 12. He says, But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, one who later betrayed him, objected. He's not satisfied. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. This guy, even though he was following Jesus closely, was not satisfied with his life, not satisfied with what was happening. He actually later sells Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver, still not satisfied, ends up committing suicide. Just a terrible example of someone who can't wrap their brain around how to be satisfied. We also read about people in Scripture, specifically Paul. But Paul wrote much of the New Testament. But if you look at his life, he had situations that by all accounts, I, if it was me, I would have said, boy, I am not satisfied with that because that's hard. He was shipwrecked, beaten to almost death, jailed multiple times, yet he writes in a way that he's figured something out Look look at this. In Philippians, he says this. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to be content, satisfied, with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. He even goes to write another church to say this. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. Paul delights in those things. We're not living in a world right now where people are delighting in insults. They're delighting in giving insults. But we're struggling, I'm struggling, to live in a world satisfied where it, the world around us just seems like it's not satisfied with Anything. So I want you to think just for a second, is there an area of your life that you're not fully satisfied with? And when you have something, I just want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call on you. This is, I want this to be a little more interactive this morning. If you have something, just raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you what it is. Okay, so it's more than just me. You have something in your life that you're not satisfied with. As you're thinking about that thing, I want us to remember that we're in this series where we're going through the Gospel of John. It's just one disciple's look at the life of Jesus. And today, obviously, I'm going to talk about satisfaction. How can we, in a world that is not satisfied, in a world that's pulling us into dangerous areas, how can we live truly satisfied? It's possible. Paul did it. It's possible. Other people have done it. So how do we do it? I want to look at John chapter 6 as our teaching text today. But I've got to give you some background before I read it. Right before our, uh, what I'm about to read, Jesus is with many people, about 5,000 people, more, 5,000 men and families, and these people have been following Jesus. They're not satisfied. They've not heard from the Lord in hundreds of years. They're under sort of Roman oppression and being taxed. And they start hearing about Jesus. And so they start following him, but they're not satisfied that he's the one. And they become hungry. But he does this miraculous thing. He feeds 5,000 of them with just a few loaves of bread and with fish. Just miraculous. Imagine if you're there and you're hungry, you've been following this guy, and he just, there's food. And then he goes to the other side, after this, he goes to the other side of this lake, and this group of people are curious, and so they want to chase after him again. Is this really the guy And so they find him on the other side of the lake and they start interacting with him again. Like, how did you get across the lake? Because he had walked on water. He'd just done all these miracles. And our text for today picks this up as he's talking to the crowd, Jesus is. He says this, Very truly I tell you, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils but for food that endures to eternal life which is the Son of Man, will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Jesus is trying really hard to say, listen, you're searching for food, but there's so much more. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the works God requires? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. It seems so easy. So the crowd asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe in you. What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it's my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. They still do not get it. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. They do not get it. They're not satisfied. But in this text, Jesus is trying to be clear. And so I'm learning a few things about Jesus telling folks how to be truly satisfied. And I think it speaks to our lives today. And before I jump into the things that I've been learning. Let me, let me pray. So Father, we many of us in the room have an area or two that we're not satisfied with. And so I pray that you would help us this morning. Open our hearts, open our minds, open our ears to your word to try to find how to be truly satisfied. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This is what I see. You can write this down on your handout. Being truly satisfied, true satisfaction eludes us when we need more. True satisfaction eludes us when we need more. The crowd in front of Jesus says this. uh, They ask him a question. They asked him, what sign then, Jesus, will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Really. So 24 hours prior to that question to Jesus, that group of people got fed miraculously when they were hungry. They saw... Uh, and and heard the other miraculous signs of Jesus, which drew him, drew the the crowd to him. And yet they they have the audacity to stand before the very thing that they have been praying for. They have the audacity to say, hey, what else can you do so we can be satisfied? What other miracles do they need to see? Right? I, I mean, really, I wonder if any miracle Jesus did would satisfy them. I wonder how relatable that concept is to our own life. I was thinking about this, and this should have been a fill-in, but it's not. If we need more of something to be satisfied, we will never be satisfied. Let me say that one more time, because only one person thought it was a good point. If you need... More of something to be satisfied, you will never be satisfied. Let me give you a a simple example from my life. Years ago, I have three sons. Uh, Years ago, my my boys would uh, collect baseball cards. It's an innocent hobby, right? It started out, you could buy a small pack of baseball cards with a really uh, junky piece of gum. It was really cheap. You get like three, five cards. I forget what, you get a small set of baseball cards, and that was fine for a while. And then we realized, you know what, you can get a, a larger box of baseball cards. I don't know, I forget how much it was, 48 baseball cards in it. You get more. And that was fine for a while. Until we realized you could go to Meyer on Bremen Highway, the trading card section, and you can get a box of trading cards. There's like 250 cards in that. In, there's always, the world will always entice you to more. This is such a part of the human condition that psychologists actually have a term for this. It's called the hedonic treadmill, where our our desires just capture us. Here's the example. Hedonic treadmill is the observed tendency of people to quickly return to a relatively stable of happiness. Think of a car. Remember when you got, it may not have been a brand new car, remember when you got a car and it smelled better than your car smells today. <laughs> right, you step in and you're like, oh, this is, and so you, right, I got a new car, it's great, my happiness is high, I'm satisfied. But what the hedonic treadmill, what the human condition is, is over time, and sometimes it's very quick, our happiness goes down, satisfaction goes down, and we get to, I got a car, it's okay. Right, it's, it's okay. And maybe it's not a car, but this is so frequent, so prevalent in our lives. We can look at different areas of our lives where we get on this hedonic, on this, I love that it's a treadmill, right? Because you're going nowhere and it never ends. (laughs) It's just the perfect illustration. So in my life, when I was in my 20s, I was on this treadmill as it relates to finances. I wanted to make as much money as possible. I even had a number I was shooting for. And after a few years, I actually made that much money and it was great. And probably 10 days later, I thought, you know, I can make even more. The problem with that is, and it took me a long time to realize this, it's never enough. And if, Uh, If we read scripture for life, daily instruction, it would have saved me so much time. Look at this scripture, Ecclesiastes. I love this. Those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? How clear is that? Or look at this, another verse in Ecclesiastes. Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Just dreaming about nice things is meaningless. It's like chasing the wind. Maybe it's not a money thing for you. Maybe it's relationships. Right? Uh, Oh, you say you love me, but I'm not satisfied until you get me more flowers, until you celebrate more, until we go out, until we have more sex, until we... The reality is nothing will satisfy that desire. It'll never be enough. And at some point in your life, you will realize, hopefully sooner rather than later, more of something doesn't equate to long-term satisfaction. You can write this down. On the treadmill of more, we risk missing the one who satisfies most. On the treadmill of more, we risk missing the one who satisfies most. If you think of that area that you're not satisfied in your life, are you on a treadmill? Are you trying hard to achieve something that will never fully satisfy you long-term, and if you are, you risk risking the thing, Jesus, that satisfies most, which is exactly what Jesus is telling this crowd in front of him. They're like, how many more miracles can you do? Show us something amazing. And Jesus, this is what I see, says this about true satisfaction. You can write it down. True satisfaction comes from the bread of life, Jesus. comes from the bread of life, who is Jesus. Jesus very clearly tells this crowd, he he declares, it says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. He's trying to describe to this crowd, I will satisfy you. But he does it in a way that I think perfectly addresses what they're asking him. I've heard this, this thing, bread of life, before. I've agreed with it. But I, here's, here's my thought this morning. Until we can really understand where Jesus is going, we won't be able to apply it to our lives. And my hope is by the time we leave today into a world that's never satisfied, we can understand what bread of life is and how to apply it to our lives. And, and so he, here's where I'm going with this. The crowd in front of Jesus. You have to do more miracles And they start bringing up history like Jesus doesn't understand it. How offensive, but they do it in verse 31. They say, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. This crowd's alluding to long ago in history, our ancestors, the Israelites, when they were freed from slavery, they wandered for 40 years in the desert, and they were hungry, and God provided. We want you to do one of those miracles. They allude to this, uh, uh, Exodus 16, the Israelites wandering. The Israelites say this, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat, ate all the food we wanted, but you brought us into this desert to starve the entire assembly to death. They're like, Lord, why did you do this? And then the Lord answers the Israelites wandering. He says this, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough food for that day. The the crowd in front of Jesus is like, "We we want to see a miracle like that again. And in our teaching text, Jesus replies, I am He only uses that term, I am, seven times in the New Testament. I am the bread of life. I am the miracle that God did earlier. I'm the bread of life. He's saying the true satisfaction, daily satisfaction, what you need comes from him. What does it mean for our lives, for Jesus to be the bread of life, that if we look for satisfaction from anything else but him, We will not be satisfied. Psalm 145 says it this way. The Lord upholds all who fall, lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, Lord, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. He may not satisfy the desires the way you want, but he will satisfy your desires. Psalm 107, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. Not one time did Jesus ever say to anyone, if you want to get satisfaction, go someplace else. Every time he said, satisfaction, you come to me. It's one thing to know that Jesus is the bread of life, to know that he can provide. But I really want to, make, I want to make this practical. And so how do we apply this really to our lives? How do we desire the bread of life over anything else? So in John 6:35, Jesus says, he declares, I'm the bread of life. This one verse tells us how. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So, how do we desire the bread practically? There's two things. You're going to write them down. The first thing, desiring the bread practically means establishing consistent connections. I don't like that fill in. If I had my uh, chance, I, I submitted this a couple of days ago so it could be printed. I would have done it differently. So I'm going to ask you to write something different down for that point because I think that point's too cheesy. It doesn't give enough push to what we should be doing. What I really wanted to write is our connection should be greater than our disappointment. I think too many of us are not satisfied with something Maybe we've been hurt about something and we are living our lives swimming in the disappointment of that and some of you have been doing that for years. Satisfaction will not come from that swim. Satisfaction comes when we connect to Jesus. That's where satisfaction comes from. And that's exactly what Jesus teaches us. In John 15, he's giving this sort of equation for what we should do. He says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, stay connected, I and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. He will give you Satisfaction but too many of us have not been bearing fruit because we're in the hurt. Go back to the bed and breakfast example. My wife and I aren't perfect at this, but when we saw that breakfast, we were not satisfied, and so we punched the guy who ran it. (laughs) We did not. We didn't ask for a refund. We didn't complain loudly. We, and we're not perfect at this. We went to our room and we prayed, maybe a 10-second prayer. God, whatever's going on in this uh, place, would you help? And what, in that, uh, in that time of prayer, what was highlighted to me was a conversation that happened when we checked in. This guy is brand new at this and the bed and breakfast stuff. He's only had that location for a few months. And what welled up inside of me that was bigger than the disappointment was compassion for this guy. Because he's got it in him. He does. He's trying hard. And I was able to walk away from the dissatisfaction, and I was okay. That's what we should be doing. We should be connecting to the Lord about things like that. The other thing that I see Desiring the bread practically, it's the second thing that Jesus says: he, "Come to me, I'm hungry, and believe." You can write this down. Believe He will satisfy. He says, "Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty." So we need to believe He will satisfy us. Trust that He's actually going to do it in surprising ways. tangent, just came to me. We would really like to be satisfied the way we think we will be satisfied, right? We could give the Lord a script. Lord, I need this. And I wonder how many times he laughs and says, Steve, if I gave you that, you would not be satisfied more than five minutes. I, We should trust that he will satisfy the way that we Need. Isaiah fifty eight eleven. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun scorched land. He will strengthen your frame. It will be like a well watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. That is a great picture that He will satisfy. I want to go back. I think it's just Interesting that the people in front of Jesus were bringing up this whole history lesson about the Israelites. And and then Jesus answers, I'm I'm the bread of life. I I remember when Jesus taught about prayer and he taught in Matthew 6, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Too many of us are asking for bread that lasts longer than a day. Like if I'm the Israelites wandering for, for For 40 years, I'm probably the guy that's asking, hey, I know you've been raining down this bread from heaven, but if you could give us a few extra days worth of bread, because tomorrow you might take a rest and I need to store some that's not how it works. Right? Read the book of Exodus and find out when people start hoarding the bread. It's bad. The Lord's gonna satisfy you, but He's gonna satisfy you daily with your daily bread. Not tomorrow's bread, not next week's, not your retirement bread, today's bread. Go back to the bed and breakfast example. It's going to get better. <laughs> so we're not mad at this guy who's running the inn, right? We, we pray about it, and we're still hungry. We, we don't partake in the hard-boiled eggs. But we, we're like, hey, let's just walk. We're on vacation. Let's just walk downtown. So we walk downtown and find one place that was closed. We end up at a, a little shop. Uh, I think it's called Grandma's is a place. And we order breakfast. And uh, we were able to sit outside, and uh, the lady comes out and hands me my plate. I actually took a picture of it. The Lord hath provided. (laughs) I think that was the best breakfast I have had in a few years. Like, it was amazing. And it's this little surprising way that the Lord provided because we did the first that we connected with him. Like, I, that's how it works from, in my life. He, he surprises us in these, in these fun ways. Now, how many of you are thinking, oh, yeah, Steve, but you still had to pay for that? Anybody thinking that? Yeah, a few of you. Go back to step one. <laughs> connect with the Lord about that. Get over that, right? He'll surprise. He's going to provide. You know, if we, if we do not follow those two things, super practical, what Jesus said, connect to me, make it bigger than your Disappointment and believe that he'll provide. If we do not do that, we jump back on the treadmill going nowhere. Which is what the crowd did in front of Jesus that day. And Jesus knew it. And he says this. He says, I told you, you've seen me and still you don't believe. If you continue to read in John 6, he he tries to tell them more about what this bread of life means. Believe in me, I'm the bread of life. It it actually says in Scripture that many of his disciples leave him that day. It doesn't share where they're going, but they're not satisfied, so they leave because they think satisfaction is someplace else. And you know what I think? I think they never find it because the very thing that they're looking for satisfaction for is in front of them, and they miss it. And I wonder how many times in our life when we search for satisfaction and Jesus is in front of us and we miss it. True satisfaction eludes us when we need more and only comes from the bread of life, Jesus. Why don't you stand? We're gonna move into time of prayer. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message. God bless and see you next time.